Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Health, happiness, hydration. Did you know the fruit of a cactus could help bring you all three? That's why Quan Yang and four of his other pharmacist friends decided to found Prickly and create the quenchiest prickly pear cactus juice. Listen in to hear how coconut water is moving over for a new plant-based water with half the sugar and calories, yet that's filled with antioxidants. Quan is the CEO of Prickly and an active member of our Startup CPG community, and he shares about Prickly's origin story, running around New York in a cactus suit, their recent Today Show spotlight, and his tips for other aspiring CPG entrepreneurs. Hi, Quan. Thanks for being here today. How are you? I am doing awesome, Jesse. So excited to be here and so great to catch up with you again. Awesome. Yeah, it's great to connect again. We were able to connect a few months ago and you sent the Live Bar team some prickly and oh man, they dove right into it and have become obsessed. So I'm excited we get to talk about your awesome product today. Yeah, I can share sentiment that the Live Bars themselves were also gone in just a few seconds. So... (laughs) Love very it. Very good trade. Very good trade. Well, I would love if you can just dive right in and tell us all about Prickly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, Prickly is on a mission to build a sustainable plant-based category around one of the most sustainable ingredients of, of all time, the cactus, specifically the, pr- the prickly pear. And so we start by making cactus waters that are inspired by a traditional family recipe from Lebanon, where one of my co-founders, Mo, grew up. So we use premium, sustainably sourced prickly pear cactus fruit, which are full of antioxidants and trilites. And these antioxidants boost skin health, immunity, and recovery. And they come in three different flavors, our original prickly pear, our strawberry hibiscus, and our mango ginger, each in a sleek, slim 12-ounce can. And, you know, we've really kind of been Boston-based and and New York-based for the last... I would say since launch of February, uh, last seven or eight months, and we'll probably remain in the Northeast for the foreseeable future as we continue to grow our business. Excellent. That's awesome. And if people's mouths are watering already after hearing you describe the flavors, I want to make sure before we get in too far, where can they buy some prickly either, you know, can they buy on their website or which stores? And then if they want to follow you and stay in touch, where should they go? And we'll put those links in the show notes. Yeah, appreciate that for sure. So we are just like a lot of other CPG companies, pretty omnichannel. So dtcprickly.com is is our favorite place to, to supply you guys with delicious prickly. But of course, we're also on Amazon, as well as other online retailers. And from a you know retail perspective, we are, again, mostly focused in the Northeast. So anywhere in Massachusetts, New England, New York City, that's where we'll have the most saturation of distribution as well. From a social perspective, we, we love being social. We're always on the ground running around in cactus suits doing guerrilla marketing. And you'll see a lot of a lot of that good stuff. I'm sure we'll dig right into that and, and during this podcast. But you'll find some of those shenanigans on our TikTok or Instagram and Facebook. And it's all just at Drink Prickly. Excellent. Thank you. Well, reading your founder story and having talked to you before, it's super interesting that you have five healthcare workers getting together and starting a beverage yeah. company. Can you tell me about what that looks like? It's exactly as you as it sounds. Um, you know, so we're we're all best friends and we all met after after pharmacy school. And being healthcare workers, we were just really drawn to the plant-based movement. We were drawn to health and wellness. And, you know, we we loved, you know, drinking coconut water in one traveling, but it just never really hit the spot when it came to packaged versions of this product. And so 
just finding that everyday source of plant-based hydration that gave us those antioxidants, those electrolytes and other plant-based benefits was sort of tough to come by. But, you know, my my partner Mo grew up in Lebanon. And as a kid, his grandmother used to juice the fruit of the cactus called the prickly pear for him and his siblings. It was a big family. So they would always fight for, you know, every last sip whenever she made it. You know, it tasted like a mix of watermelon and bubblegum. So you can imagine growing up as kids. I mean, they just they just love this product. So one day, Mo's shopping for, for groceries for the household and he saw some uh, prickly pears uh, just you know sitting around at the grocery store and it, just in a moment of nostalgia he decides to buy the entire batch of prickly pears he could find brings them home and he starts juicing this product and you know after one sip we were just blown away by how delicious this thing tasted and we we're just like what is this and he's like it's the fruit of the cactus and we're just like since when do cacti have fruit this is totally new to us you know but <laughs> But being being healthcare workers, we put our education to good use. So we just dug into the to the research and we found out that these fruits do have tons of plant based benefits, mostly the antioxidants specifically. They've got all 24 beta lanes, they've got flavonoids, vitamin C, polyphenols. And this leads to all its plant-based benefits that we kind of alluded to already. So we decided to, uh, you know, drop our lab coats, put on our cactus suits and build this this company because we realized that we had something incredible that we wanted to share with the world. That's so cool. And how did you first get involved with Startup CPG? Yeah, so Startup CPG, I think I first joined in the summer of 2020. So a little bit over a year and a half ago. And this was a game changer for us because at the time growing, you know, a CPG product in, in Boston, we were a little bit within our own circles and siloed from the rest of the CPG universe, pre- predominantly, you know, California, New York, and other parts of the Southwest where there's lots of CPG talent companies and, um, and experts. And so by connecting to the startup CPG environment and just deeply networking within this community, we just met so many helpful hands uh, and people that want to just pay it forward and, and kind of give us the education we needed to really build and launch this brand in, in February. So, you know, without that community, without those connections early on in our planning phase in our our beta testing phase, we definitely wouldn't have launched as successfully as we did in February. So, you know, we just start to you just hold a very special place in in our hearts and in our in our company's journey. I love hearing that. I think the startup CPG community is definitely something special. And it's great to hear when the community comes together and helps other brands get launched and we can definitely go a lot further faster together in CPG. Totally. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible industry that, you know, coming from healthcare and coming into CPG, I think we were just really hit in the face with how different these industries were. And mm-hmm. there were just a lot of new habits and, re- and relationships and just structures that we had to, to, to learn and formulate in our heads to just make sense of it all. But just the pay it forward mentality that exists in CPG, just I've never seen anything like it. You know, I think I think it's a testament to how every brand, no matter how big they are today, was a small brand at some point. And to have gotten to where they are today, there were a lot of helping hands and a lot of people that kind of led the way, guided them and, and also assisted their their journeys. And so I think that that mentality is embedded in the way that companies are built. So there's such an organic way that people who have uh, found success want to pay it forward and, and help those other small brands of today become larger and more successful brands of the future as well. Absolutely. And that leads well. And I wanted to ask specifically of coming from the healthcare background and trying to figure out operations and marketing and launching. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the tactical beginnings of figuring out how to get the product to market and 
building your website or some of those pieces, what that was like with your previous background and how you managed, you know, you guys have done amazing at all of those things. So how you figured them out and how you figured out on your team with five different people who did what I'd love a little insight into behind the scenes. Yeah, it was as messy as it sounds, I think. And so don't have a great answer. I think a lot of it was just I I think what makes good entrepreneurs is just being scrappy and uh, not being afraid of getting technical and getting your hands dirty. In fact, I think it necessitates that, right? And so we kind of treated it the same way when we first started to look into this this industry. We realized very quickly that it was so much more complex than than anyone who doesn't come from the world of CPG gives it credit for. So we realized that we were up against a, a mountain of education ourselves to really unpackage everything that comes with just even one aspect, one channel of the business, right? I mean, you look at retail, being successful in retail has has so just has so much unique technical development that you need to understand in order for you to be successful in that world, let alone going to DTC and realizing it's a completely different game. And while there are synergies to support the two, uh, the two channels, they just exist on their own in some in so many different ways as well, right? So, you know, we really just rolled up our sleeves. We we again just sought as much advice from people who have who have come from this industry as possible. So we knew where to start and and really just got our hands dirty. You know, the way that we kind of approached everything is just test, 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 and always be testing. And I and I think that almost sounds cliche nowadays, but I think any any company that's that's still growing is doing the same thing. So we've been testing everything and, and always understanding that we should always be the most uh, critical of ourselves. And, you know, no matter what we're doing, there's always a better way to do it. And as long as we have that mentality, we've always found ways to, to get the technical expertise when we need it to and just focus on just improving 1% at a time in every aspect of our business every day. Great. And I'd also love if you could talk a little bit about your very clear marketing about being an alternative to coconut water, which I love your positioning on that. I'm a big fan of story brand where you have the customer is the hero and you have a clear enemy. And you guys have done that really well of having coconut water set up as we're making something better than that. Can you just kind of describe your positioning and some of the marketing that you do around being anti-coconut water? Yeah, totally. And it's it's super, the way that we approach it too is also it's playful banter. You know, we we have so much respect for the way that coconut water has laid the groundwork for plant-based waters, right? And, and we recognize that a lot of what we can do today wouldn't be here without just the work that they've done since 2005, right? But granted, I mean, I think one of the things that, that we recognized really early on when we were beta testing our product was just making sure that people understood what cactus water was. And so we listened carefully to the objections that we kept getting from our customers. And the question that people kept asking was, is this like coconut water? Is, does this taste like coconut water? You know, where can I find this? And we realized that even when we listed out the different characteristics of our product, whether it was the caloric count or the fact that it was half the sugar and calories of coconut water, that that piece of, of connectivity with an association with coconut water was the one thing that customers kept coming back to. So we just lent into that fully. We realized that positioning ourselves as cactus is the new coconut, you know, really gave people an anchor point to understand what cactus water was, right? Like, how do you drink cactus water? When do you drink cactus water? How would you drink it in in terms of what form factor? Where would you find it in a store merchandise? You know, what's the price point? It just answered all of those questions all at once. But where I think we have a lot of liberty and growth as as a company is what the definition of new means. 
means. When we say new coconut, it implies a lot of different things. And, and I think it gives us a lot of flexibility to explore those different things, right? It's not just to say that we have half sugar and calories or that, you know, we have antioxidants. And these are these are things that, you know, characteristics that of products that customers are looking for nowadays. But we also have to lean deeply into the zeitgeist of what consumers are shopping for, which is more and more sustainable products. And so now that we've really proven out that there's a market for cactus water, we validated the concept, it allows us to, to really lean into doing good and doing better and challenging ourselves to say, like, what can Prickly do to improve the and increase the awareness of sustainability and the consumption of sustainable goods? So that's going to be a big part of where the journey of our company goes as we talk about being the new coconut water. And we're excited to see that next phase of our business come to life. And outside of that, just we've been really playful with that, right? I think there's a lot of playful banter. And as you've seen, we've put on our cactus suits in New York City and, and in Boston. And we've just been running around spreading health, happiness and hydration by giving you know people of all uh, of all sorts a sample of cactus water and just getting some real and raw reactions of trying it for the first time. And we've had such a blast doing that, especially during a time when people have needed a little bit of uh, happiness and a little smile on their face as well. I love that. Health, happiness and hydration. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk in detail a little bit more about the cactus suit activation? Was it you guys as the founders out in suits and where were you? What kind of reactions did you get? Yeah, it was us. And, you know, I think it goes back to being scrappy. Like we totally believe that we can't effectively outsource anything unless we've done it ourselves and we know how to how to scale it. Right. And so, like, you know, I think I remember talking to uh, my partner and pitching pitching him the idea of like, you know, we need to just be cactuses. That's what we are. It's, you know, when you think about a cactus, it already, I think, by default has sort of an unapproachable aura to it, you know, in which case a lot of the you know, customers where 99% of the people in the world know what a cactus is. I think getting people to really side with it and, and fall in love with the cactus is a whole different story. And so, you know, we realized in one of the early conversations that we had with one of our advisors too, was that we had to really make people fall in love with the cactus and make it approachable. And so we had this crazy idea of putting on these cactus suits, uh, running around the city of New York, Boston, but also even going to stores with, uh, you know, our cactus suits on. And it was definitely a moment where we felt really uncomfortable. You know, we never envisioned that this was going to at all be a part of our life. But we realized that if we didn't do it and we didn't believe in it enough uh, ourselves to, to do something like this, that who else would? You know, how could we really build the culture of really living the life that everyone's a cactus? So we put it on and we took a deep breath and we we said this could go one of two ways. Like either we could go out there, bring energy, be confident, spread smiles and happiness, health and hydration, as we said, or we could be super unconfident, super awkward, and it would just fall flat in its face. And so we chose the uh, the former. And fortunately, it was it was a game changer for us. It really kind of boosted the confidence in the team. And it really gave us an identity and belief in ourselves and what we could accomplish that we didn't know we had within ourselves either. I love that. That's great. I love seeing pictures from everything. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I saw that the Prickly team was recently featured on the Today Show, which is awesome. I hope everyone signs up for your email list. You guys have a great email list. And I got the alert in my inbox and I was like, way to go prickly team. I got so oh, excited. You. And I'll include the link to the segment in the show notes because it's a really awesome segment. I'm wondering if you can tell us about because I think the today show is a can be a goal for for people to to get a feature like that. So how did the opportunity come up? And what's been the response to it once it went live? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with anything, there's anything that comes to earn media, there's a huge aspect of just good luck, right. And, and so I don't want to 
dismiss that because there's absolutely luck involved. And for us, that luck came in the form of being selected for pro bono PR services from a group of four incredibly talented PR professionals uh, based in Chicago. So they, they came together during COVID and they want to give back through supporting BIPOC minority founders through this effort called PR for Good. We were one of their early clients that were selected. And I think a combination of their incredible you know, connections and, and our media skills mixed with just having a really differentiated product and a really interesting story that, again, took us a long time to figure out. And we're still refining, right? But I think we had the infrastructure in place to really kind of broadcast our story, broadcast our product, our point of differentiation. And, and you know, again, mixed in with the, the luck of having great publicists, it all kind of came together just really quickly. And, and we were super, super excited about it, super fortunate. And uh, it was it was everything we could have ever imagined. I mean, the Today Show folks produced an incredible segment. They told our story so well. And, you know, we were really blessed to have that opportunity. And yeah, in terms of the, the follow on from that, it's been a, an amazing segment to leverage when we reach out to anybody, right? Whether it's introducing our brand to buyers, retailers, but also new customers and connecting with other folks in the industry. It's just such an amazing and raw way of showcasing our story and telling it in a very authentic way. So it's been an incredible conversation starter for sure. That's great. Did it help your D2C business as well from people seeing it on the air and then going and checking out your website, some web traffic? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it definitely contributed to the the highest single day of sales that we've ever experienced as a company. Um, and also brought in just a, a ton of new customers that kind of came to Prickly for, you know, different reasons, right? When you think about today's show, they really focus on the story of the founders, the inspiration behind being entrepreneurs. And I think it brought in a very different segment of customers than those that we had actually just been been targeting. So it's been a really, really great way for us to keep exploring the brand and, and the different places that we can take it. I love when Al Roker is even starting to get creative on how to turn Prickly into a, a cocktail mixer as well. That was I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like if you told us that Al Roker would be drinking prickly in February when we launched, I think we would have fallen over in our chairs. But, you know, I, again, it's just it's been a wild ride. And there's been amazing people behind that effort alone, you know, not to mention the entire brand. That's great. I believe you still work a day job as a pharmacist. So what does it look like making all these things happen at prickly and then also still working in the pharmacy world? So yeah, we, we work two full-time jobs, as we like to say it, our nine to fives and our five to nines. And fortunately, we have, you know, just a, a great support system, our significant others, our friends that have really kind of supported us along the entire way. And we knew that that we had to really prove out the concept before we would go full-time, uh, given how competitive the beverage and CPG industry is. And so that's absolutely our plan in the next couple of months is to transition full-time and, and just, you know, focus on Prickly. We're really excited about that opportunity. We're also really anxious and nervous. I think every feeling that that all CPG founders and entrepreneurs have. But I will say that even just our work in the pharmacy industry has really kind of taught us a lot of the skills that we need to thrive in CPG, which is organization, having vision, being able to execute tactically, you know, having sound business principles and, and even just customer service. You know, I, I think all of those skills we obtained through our occupation. And it really kind of enabled us to grow into who we are today and be at a position where we can even, you know, commit to this full time and really have a real shot at making it a business. I'm wondering if you have any tips for someone who has, it could be any CBG product, but particularly beverage. If someone has an idea, 
and they're not from the CPG space and they they want to get started or they want to make something happen. You guys have made things happen so quickly in such a short amount of time and just so professionally and so well. I'm wondering if you have any tips for other people that are looking to get started and are like, oh man, I don't know if I could ever do that or you know, I don't even know where I would start. Do you have any starting tips for people? Yeah, and that's so kind of you to say because we definitely feel like imposters every other day. And we're, I think we always say that it feels like we've gotten to the, to the starting point or the starting line in some way and the mountain's still ahead. And I think that that's a mentality that you just always have to have, right? But yeah, I think that there's a there's a, quite a few things and mistakes that we we made as we started. And I think what the advice that I would really say is really be efficient with your spend, you know, when you're starting out. And that's, you know, you're going to go through so many label changes, you're going to go through so many different pieces of, of how to refine your story. And, and so the best thing to do is create the most simplified version of all of those things, whether it's a product or a landing page instead of even a full website, just be really efficient with your spend so you can just start testing and getting real customer feedback as soon as possible. And with that, you can refine your your business over time and refine your packaging, refine your brand, refine your message, refine your even your distribution channels to really understand like what that strategy should look like. I think that some brands do a fantastic job right off the bat and they have a really clear identity, but I think most people don't, right? And so so for those that may not be as confident in that initial version, again, just saving cash and and spending it on just getting getting your first run as quickly as you can getting some kind of label that represents the ethos of your brand at least your assumption of what that is and then building up a, la- a landing page so you can actually drive customers to it you can test different messages different copy just to see you know what's driving people there and then ultimately when you have customers just ask them questions about what brought them to your product, what caught their attention, what made them sick, what would make them repurchase, how would they improve the product. And if you just listen really carefully and listen well, your customers are the ones that build your brand, you know, a lot more more so than even you sometimes. So that's where I would really focus my time if I were starting this all over again. That's really helpful. I love that mentality of test, test, test and keep throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks rather than, you know, spending a lot of upfront investment on something before you've had that consumer feedback. I think that's a really, really wise approach. Yeah. And the other thing that I would actually add to this is that only you know your story. I think that there's sometimes a sentiment that you can outsource to a marketing agency or outsource to a uh, even a PR agency to help you refine what it is that you're trying to tell. And I, I don't know that I necessarily believe that. I, that might happen once in a blue moon. But I think authenticity comes from a place of truth. And it comes from and nobody knows your story more than you. And then, so I think it's really, really important that you understand what your story is and how your product tells that story about who you are. And the more authentic that can be, I think the more that consumers will, will resonate with your product and understand it. And the better that you can represent that and the better product you can create around that story. So it's just really, really important to start from your story, start from your why and build everything up from there. That's great. And I love your guys' story. And I think you have a great page on your website too, where you describe it and you show the connection to one of the founder's grandmother, like the story you described, I think you do a really good job telling that story. And that that aspect is so important because that's what consumers can really connect with. So I, I appreciate that advice. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Well, what's coming up next for Prickly? What can we expect over the, say, the next year, either marketing initiatives or new launches? What's in the works and what are some of your goals? Yeah, absolutely. So we like to think that we just 
finished out phase one of our business. It's almost like you just kind of left your high school football team and now you're athletes in, in college. And now there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of best practices and ways of doing things. And that first phase for us was just validating the idea, validating that there was a market for cactus water, understanding a little bit of who our consumers are. And now that we have that traction, we have the market validation and, and we have the sales to really kind of leverage. The second phase of our business, again, goes back to challenging ourselves to do better challenging ourselves to really focus uh, on our mission of introducing a sustainable good to to the plant-based water category and really finding ways that we can better support that economy, right? So I think a big part of our next phase is, is really delving into that mission, finding ways that we can do good, finding ways that we can better support the industry that drives prickly pear cactus farming and finding ways that we can support those local economies. So that's going to be a really exciting part of our journey over the next year. And with that, you know, we are starting our seed round, uh, investment round in the next couple of months. So that will enable both myself and my partner, Mohammed to, to go full time and focus on Prickly. And so we're just really excited about all those big changes in terms of where our business is going. And in the meantime, we're just going to keep focusing in the Northeast where we're really, really bullish in New York. And, you know, that's where we have the strongest field team and that's where we're going to really win. And we just really want to focus our efforts there for, for the foreseeable future. But we do expect to expand out to you know, the places where cacti grow in the southwest of the U.S. in the near future as well. So lots coming up, a lot of exciting changes. And we're just really more so excited about what Prickly is going to become tomorrow because we we think that there's there's just a lot of great opportunity to, to impact some real meaningful change in our industry. Excellent. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? I'd love to give a shout out to my cactus friends. There's, a, there's quite a few of them in the startup CPG community. I met a couple, you know, even Hector Salvita for the first time. I'm from Tio Lapidas at Expo East last week. And it's just great to see them, Nemi Holy Sticks, and other emerging cactus products coming to the market that I think will will really continue to build this category. It's just great to have friends that are doing this this thing together and, and creating and, and spreading the great word of, of cacti as a plant-based food source. So just really excited to see more more individuals coming into the market and and growing this category together. So just want to say a quick shout out to those guys and keep up the great work, everyone. Well, thank you so much, Quan. I'm so glad that you shared time with us today and shared more about your story. And we'll have lots of links in the show notes. And yeah, I just really appreciate you sharing some space with me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Essie. It was such a pleasure to connect again. Great to be given this great opportunity as well. And excited to meet other people in in, uh, Startup CPG. If anyone ever has any questions or just wants to connect, feel free to DM me directly. I'd love to, you know, grab some virtual coffees and and sit down and, and talk shop. Thanks for joining us. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.